Welcome to the third episode of the Herd Marketing Podcast with me, Phil Waring, and Mark. Mark Baker, how are you today? Good, good, man. How good. are you? Good, you had a good week? Great week, mate. Busy, yeah. busy. Yeah. So just before we started, really, we'll sort of go straight in. We were talking a little bit about what you've been doing over the past week and trying to get that sort of spend rate down on like Google Ads. And I was just sort of making some comparisons because day to day I work with a lot of startups and it's such a big struggle for companies, particularly startups who are quite, you know, spending limited uh, to keep those costs down, particularly when running tests and trying to test against hypotheses. So do you want to just run through some of the bits you've been doing this week for that? Yeah, so one of our new clients is a, an insurance broker and that we've sort of onboarded with them and we're managing the, the paid ads across social and Google. But in the, in this instance, uh, we'll, we'll focus specifically on the, the Google ads. And um, what they that they instructed to us is they wanted to reduce their cost for acquisition and that costs were, were spiralling a bit for them and they were getting a bit out of hand. And their Google ads accounts were based sort of in the UK, Germany and Austria and Ireland. So it was quite a quite a big campaign and that they ran. And uh, first of all, once we'd sort of done the initial audit, gone through sort of identified areas for, for improvement sort of thing, we we just started picking away at it. They had quite a, mm. a big budget and we looked initially at sort of um, ad scheduling. So running the ads sort of only when sort of people were searching for their services. Mm-hmm. And this might sound quite obvious, but a lot of people always over overlook that. But it wasn't just a case of guesswork and winging it sort of thing. We had a look at the analytics. We worked out when the, the, the most people were online and then set the sort of scheduling around that. Um once we sort of ran that for a week, two, three weeks, really, maybe into a month even, we looked sort of a bit further, really, at the the, the, the data. And oh, did a bit of like a deeper dive. Yeah, it? yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then we started sort of looking and identifying sort of particular days and particular hotspots throughout the day. So, for oh, example, okay. maybe a Thursday afternoon might have been better than a Monday morning, for example. Yeah, so yeah. we added sort of bid adjustments on to particular times during the day when okay. when the historic data sort of identified when when search volumes are likely to be higher um so we made made some adjustments to them and so far t- touch wood i'm quite pleased <laughs> to say that the cost per acquisition is, is coming down sort of quite oh, quite nice. dramatically really um and that's that, that's across all the campaigns for them so Oh, brilliant! That, yeah, so that's just a, what what one example of of. Did, did you have like a sort of a standard time throughout the day? Then was it? Because I might just be being really naive, but I'm assuming maybe like lunch times and like things like that. Would, was traffic particularly high, or did you find the opposite? Or you, when you sort of did that deeper dive, did you kind of come up with a really good time frame? Because it might be just really useful insights across the board. Yeah, yeah. We started off with a with a generic sort of eight in the morning till um, till sort of half ten, eleven at night as 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 a generic one for the first month, really, to yeah. sort of gather some data, and then it got it got a little bit more complex when we went into the next phase of it, really, because we started alongside the bid adjustments at certain times during the day when it was when it was it was historically busier we also looked at devices and then we looked at sort of external influences so 
in Germany, for example, they have different public holidays to us. So yeah, they, they often have the midweek where we don't. So you'd look back and you'd see a drop in traffic and then a spike in traffic. And that was initially to us quite confusing. But after sort of liaising with their marketing manager and a bit of Googling to see, because yeah, obviously we've been doing it a while, so you, you kind of have an idea if there's, there's, there's a problem, there's only mm. so many things that it can be. Um, so, yeah, we, we had, had a look at that Um Surprisingly, what what surprised me really was we went through and reduced all the all the bids on tablets because tablets just weren't converting for these guys and they were spending a lot of money and that quite surprised me. I mean, mobile was, was okay. Some, it's just tablets. Yeah, what that is. Ta- yeah, yeah. I don't know. So tablet for these guys in particular. There's no, well, there isn't any more any any ad spend on tablets and yeah yeah just cut know. off completely yeah it just wasn't converting yeah. and it was costing so it was better to take that budget and apply it onto onto mobile or desktop yeah and push the buttons that worked yeah yeah that's it, so interesting why it didn't work on tablet yeah yeah I, I don't I'd be really interested that. to like maybe talk to some of the customers and just see. Mm. see why they didn't check out or do so is a bike bike insurance company yeah yeah it's a bike insurance company so That's crazy yeah. but they convert a lot on mobile yeah yeah it convert it converts well on mobile okay. uh, although the bounce rate's higher so again you have to yeah you have yeah, to. yeah well that's kind of expected because people are kind of out and about and the tendencies and the psychology behind kind of searching and scrolling on like mobile furniture you're out and about so it's always expected for it to be a higher bounce rate anyway mm. than sitting behind a desktop and i feel most people make major decisions behind your desktop so i know when a lot of people come to uh converting bigger purchases it's usually behind the desktop is what i've found mm. and it's always a bit of a I, I think it's swings and roundabouts but i think it's kind of the difference between b2c and b2b and i feel a lot of traffic that i've seen on b2c websites that focused on their end consumer at smaller price brackets are always tend to be mobile focused Mm, because i think it's just how people are during the day and where they like to shop Mm. but there is a massive like swing the other way for b2b and i think it's definitely like still desktop focused it just seems to be more kind of like official when it comes to these bigger purchases so i suppose it kind of makes sense it's just weird the tablet was just yeah, it's it's a considered purchase as well. Less, it's it's not something yeah. you just sort of come across like you say you, you were talking. Then smaller purchases, the these policies are fairly dear and fairly specialised. So it's not a, a an off the cuff sort of purchase. It's something you would have to consider and think about. Okay. So I think we we touched on this. I think in previous podcasts, but I think the the remarketing aspect of it and the the sort of seven soft touch points that you have before yeah. a, a consumer potentially buys certainly comes into play and it, it it looking at their data again in analytics and their repeat custom mm. it, it is as as we just said confirmed that it they didn't always buy on the first visit it may be that they were simply comparing prices and, and then coming back ah, right, so okay. so is the is the bike insurance market is it is it quite big is it quite limited because obviously you've got go compare and other websites like that to compare the, more the, generalized the, insurance the, the, there's not brokers as such like go compare which might pull in from from yeah. various sort of uh different sort of brokers like uh trying to think like liverpool victoria or or, or another sort of insurance yeah, yeah. company a lot of them are are independents but they're underwritten by by specialist insurers like hiscox or or lloyds of london that sort oh, of okay. thing interesting 
I yeah. never thought I'd be learning about bike insurance this week, but it's, it's really <laughs> in, it's more interesting to see how people purchase it because it's something I've never mm. considered. Cause I well, don't... it's addition to your home insurance, really, because your, your home right. insurance covers you for, obviously for your basic leaks and anything like that. Yeah, but yeah. these these guys specialise in in people that have got expensive high end bikes, really. Right, so okay. it's a it's a niche market, but it is a competitive market, and yeah, certainly yeah. In, in the different. Uh, in the different territories we we work on in Ireland, for example, it's a it's easier to rank, easier to convert. The UK is quite we're doing okay in the UK. Germany very diff, difficult market, very competitive market. Okay. And when you compare the the SEO, for example, and you look at their organic rankings, it's it's complex. You're into right, sort of international SEO, and it's it's quite it's. It's something I feel we need to focus on moving forward, but yeah. we'll, we, we'll, we'll wait and see. We'll see what they decide to do. So why do you think in Ireland it's a lot easier then? If you put the two kind of stark contrast, Ireland versus Germany, what do you think the major differences are or have you pinpointed that yet or is that something you're, you're going to... It's not... We, we've sort of at the moment just been instructed to focus on the paid search, right, so we haven't really delved too deep into, into the organics of it. Um, however, I feel... Initially, it, it, it may just be competition. Yeah. It, it may just be search volume. But yeah. that, that, that's a guess. That, that, is cycling that. bigger in Germany than it is um, Ireland? Or are there any no swing It's a bigger country, isn't it? I yeah. think Germany, for sure. I think there's more certainly more search volumes. But I think, I think it might be broker sort of driven rather yeah. than sort of independence, which is what, what these guys are. So... I don't know, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Come back in, in six months, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. We'll... Ask you the same question in six months. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. clearer answer, hopefully. Yeah, no, it's cool. I suppose the other thing we were talking about kind of prior to the podcast as well was you and starting your marketing agency. And, and I've kind of asked you how your week went, but I think it'd be quite interesting for us now to kind of delve into a little bit more on, on kind of starting an agency and what that involves and, you know, anything from finding clients to kind of progressing into like different office spaces and what you've kind of learned through the process. Cause you've obviously had businesses before, so mm. you've learned a lot. I feel that many people just start an agency might not know yet. So you've been able to take other tips from other industry and kind mm. of bring it into this. So I think now you started really progressing the clients are starting to kind of roll in a little bit more as you started to kind of bolster your agency a little bit. So after this bike insurance company coming in, typically, how busy do you, do you find yourself during the week? Do you focus on a lot of different clients or are you still in that phase of trying to build that clientele? We're, we're, we're still sort of quite quite uh, quite early on in terms yeah. of our, our, our building, but it's for us it's about building relationships. It's it's yeah. not the a lot of agencies certainly touching on experience that I've worked with in the past. They're in mm. for the the quick book and that that's not what we we want really. We want to build long term relationships with people like our one of our clients we've we've been working with about coming up to twelve months now, and we have a, a great relationship with them and it's it's. I've touched on this before, and if you if you, if you ever read mm. any of our blogs or or yeah, yeah. Don't, don't know if we've done it in the podcast, but we've we've certainly written about it in our blogs. Is an integrated approach. We like to sort of integrate with the company we work with. We like yeah. to sort of work alongside them and 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 be part of them. So we're, yeah. we're essentially an extension of them, and, mm. and it's at that relationship is a two way a two way thing, and. Um, from that, you certainly get the best results. Totally, yeah. I think I think that goes across 
just as a side note, I think that mentality is now coming across in all different sectors. So I know there's a, been a real surge with recruitment agencies and there's been a few companies now like Talentful in Manchester where they integrate into your company. So they'll send a team of five people in and they'll start recruiting, but kind of like work within that company for a set amount, set amount of time. I think it's really interesting to see the benefits that that has to that company. And although it may change, it may be a bit more retainer fee rather than win fee mm. or you know yeah commission I, or whatever it is you I know i think that's a good idea to to, to work like that because you get a each each business or organization it has a, a culture and it's mm. usually led from the top down so it's quite it's quite it's quite driven by what the 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 senior management team are, are like or want the company to be and i think uh by integrating as an agency or as a, as a sort of third party, whether that be recruitment, marketing, HR, whatever, whatever it is you do for, mm-hmm. for, for, for businesses, you, you gather a clearer understanding of their culture and what they want. And, and mm. from that, you can then deliver the, your best service. And that's, that's important in, in building relationships and, and, yeah. and generating ongoing business rather than, promoting yourself as we can do x y and z taking the retainer for three months them getting bored and then you, you're losing the contract it's it's i have a sort of simple saying that you're better to, to under promise and to over deliver and and that that way you you generally you, you, you generally keep going yeah yeah because i remember when i was working at the law firm in in manchester as a, a marketing manager and we we worked with a few external agencies and we kind of went to them and drip fed them bits of work but we could just never have an agency that we felt integrated with us because we we had a totally different culture we were quite a small firm we, we weren't particularly corporate and i don't think a lot of agencies understood that and i think it was i forgot which agency it was that did semi-integrate with us and they really understood our needs and what we were about and it the relationship just worked really well mm. and we kept them around we we worked them really closely and it, it kind of became mutually beneficial then having them with us on that journey mm. and i think obviously the power of marketing is to grow a business yeah and i suppose the nice sentiment is from a marketing agency to kind of be involved on the business you're growing mm. to a degree and i think it's really nice for both sides to see that but i mean i suppose then in terms of things like office rentals it's a bit of a weird one now isn't it because i suppose if you're you're planning on kind of really integrating with companies and you're supposed to be quite early it's probably just something that's not really tabled yet is it kind of that no no i mean there's 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 lots of options for officers certainly in around liverpool and and manchester way there's there's lots from sort of hot seats to 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 even free office space for for set, set periods um but I think I think once you once you take that sort of leap into into that you you yeah. you're fully committed then. Yeah. Um, but I think I think in terms just what one point on the integration that that I I quite like and I've always liked and I think the clients like is is WhatsApp. So we we create WhatsApp groups between our our clients yeah, yeah. and it's handy because if we we can't answer every question for example that we get through through social media for them mm-hmm. and. Um, we get questions sort of twenty four seven, and whoever's managing that account or whoever's looking after it can can, can reply. Mm-hmm. So with a, with a WhatsApp group that's got say ten of their team members and a number of our team members on the group, between between us both, we can we can respond quicker to people. We can get back to people or customers or clients or whatever. It's that it quicker might turnaround be. of information, isn't it? Yeah, and that looks yeah. good as well on social. If you're getting back to people and your response times quick, it's yeah. it's. All these little factors go go 
it's like a tick in the box, isn't it? And yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think more boxes have come to tick for a lot of like mm. customers and users. They do strangely check these things. They're mm. quite meticulous when it comes down to it. So I definitely think integrating that WhatsApp. So we were talking a little bit again about WhatsApp because I'm finding mm. it super interesting. And I was, we were sort of touching upon this Facebook's cryptocurrency yeah. and how my thoughts since the last time we spoke on it has slightly, de- not deviated, but maybe slightly changed in the sense that I think now I'm starting to edge towards whether Facebook Messenger will separate from WhatsApp. Messenger keeps it very consumer-based, so it's very kind of informal. I think it, group chats between friends, I think, may mm. move over to Facebook I've already seen it happen a few times where people have moved over to Facebook because it's just a little bit easier. I definitely think WhatsApp might come sort of a more business-focused platform. Mm. And we were talking a bit about that Libra because I'm finding it fascinating at the moment. I know it's kind of hot topic in the news. And how Facebook are partnered up with, what is it, 27 other companies, including Spotify, Mm. PayPal, MasterCard. So really, really big companies in the space. And obviously they're going to be at the forefront of building out the digital wallet side of things, mm. so Calibre. So just uh, just Calibre. just to clarify for people that are listening, Facebook yeah. are moving into a, a cryptocurrency. That's yeah, that's yeah. what we're yeah, saying. Yeah, isn't yeah, it? yeah, fascinating. Yeah. yeah, and I think their ideas around it and why Bitcoin didn't work mm. and why they think Libra will work. Mm. I think I can kind of see it in a weird Certainly way. Certainly got the customer base. I mean, I I, I don't know too much about mm. about what they're doing. I know the names of what they've chosen. Yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. Libra, Libra and Calibra, but I'm I'm unsure. It's it's in, it's interesting to see that they've got PayPal and the Mastercard and a couple of the sort of big players on board. And early eBay. doors. Yeah, 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 it's crazy. yeah. I mean, you well, a PayPal drop, eBay works. Mm. Part of the same, but yeah, I think it, I think it's crazy, and I think the fact that bit. Problem is with Bitcoin, and everyone knew it, is they didn't back up with real asset. So, mm. you know, if you invested in Bitcoin, you can't really use it. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas I think Facebook are kind of trying to back up with real asset. So it translates into dollars and pounds and things. So mm. it'd be interesting to see what they what happens there. But I think particularly with WhatsApp, so they're looking at Messenger and WhatsApp being kind of like the home ground for where transactions take place between people using, mm. you know, Libra currency, using Calibra software. And I, I just got a feeling that you know, WhatsApp will specialise in that business. And we talked last time about, you know, mm. the customer service side of WhatsApp and how that yeah. could be monetised if it's, was it past 24 hours? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was uh, something Steve Bartlett said at, at uh, Social Chain in Manchester about them charging businesses to to, mm. to reply via WhatsApp in, in, in a certain time frame or they'd have to pay, yeah. sort of trying to, trying to push businesses to be more, customer sort of focused yeah yeah um, but i can certainly i can i can see whatsapp expanding it it's it's offering past past messaging yeah I think, I, I, de- I think it will i think everything will just go over to facebook messenger and it'll be the business hub for because i mean one of the biggest problems with with libra and it's again really publicized in the media is the fact that people don't trust facebook's privacy policy mm. But WhatsApp's super encrypted still, so it's kind of like you've got WhatsApp, which is particularly secure, and then Facebook, which has this air about non-security. Yeah. And I think Facebook will just be better off section that off with Messenger and just keeping that all very fluffy, you know, yeah. very consumery, very informal. And I think WhatsApp, because obviously Calibra is going to be super encrypted. Yeah. 
best just keep it WhatsApp. I think I, th- I really think it'll be interesting to see how it, how it evolves. Yeah. Certainly, and then when, when they move into into new territories like the UK and into mm. into in, in, into into countries that have uh, have organisations like the uh, financial services conduct and that. And yeah, yeah. Once they start sort of aligning themselves with that, it will it will mm. certainly build uh, consumer trust. Because when you say sort of cryptocurrency now, most people for for ninety nine percent of the population they haven't got a clue. No, and, no, and no. it's it's I'd I'd count myself amongst that. It's not mm. something I, I use. I I don't yeah I don't don't use it and I've never used it, mm. but. I think it's the future. I think I think it's 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 going to be there whether you like it or not. Yeah, so. and from a marketing point of view, I think it's super interesting because if they could split the two, mm. WhatsApp being very business related and orientated, and Messenger being quite informal, consumer based, I think it'd be really interesting to kind of have one platform where you can do B two B marketing mm. and you can kind of see transactions almost between different businesses and different sectors, yeah. and you can start understanding what businesses are trying to get into what sector, by who they're paying and things like that. I know it'd be super encrypted, yeah. but you'll be able to see somewhat a trend there. Mm. I think it would be it'd be so interesting again to have like Messenger as proper B to C central for marketers. Yeah. I think it may just be something that we kind of move into that direction. It opens up new possibilities and I think for, for, for us as marketers or for for young people looking at jobs in tech, you've got to be sort of ahead of the curve a bit really and be be on it and have your finger on the pulse because these things sort of come so quickly and yeah. don't get me wrong they don't always work but if if someone like facebook or whatsapp is is putting a lot of time and effort into it mm. there's there's clearly a lot of resource gone into it so it's it, it's big enough to work for them saying yeah. that google plus didn't work for google so that's very true, <laughs> that's very I, true. I, I don't know i don't know but cryptocurrency is is here and i think it's it's it's, it's kind of it's kind of here to stay, but it's not quite here to stay yet. But there's just mm. that air about something will happen. But I mean, controversies around it are just through the roof. Though I mean, they're kind of saying if if Libra or any cryptocurrency came into place, then it's taking power and decentralizing banking, but then giving too much power to companies. It just gets into a whole messy thing. Yeah. But I've got another question for you. Don't look worried. <laughs> uh, so I had a, quite an interesting question asked of me today about landing pages. Mm. Uh, company that I'm working with, we haven't actually done a landing page yet. We found we've got really good traction with using Facebook and Facebook mm. groups in particular. What advice would you give to someone who's kind of built a good audience on social and now is looking to maybe gather more traction? Would you say sort of push the buttons of social a bit more and get fully out of social what you can or would you start creating landing pages and diverting traffic in different ways what is it they want what what is it what's the end so essentially app downloads that's what we want to convert we were looking at ways of doing it because i know for for me the advice that i was giving was you know if your conversion point is going to be an app download you create campaigns and Mm. adverts that direct directly to app stores yeah yeah. and so you don't really want to have that obstacle in the way of a landing page yeah but is there any reason why you would have a landing page in that situation i suppose if it wasn't app you probably would i just keep it i say this a lot to people don't don't overcomplicate it and and it's easy to to overcomplicate these things my advice on something like that from what you've said would be go to the download page whether that be apple google whatever sort of 
download you use whatever whatever software and then you could always have after that a thank you page like a splash page if I if see. if uh, you wanted to sort of maybe um gather further data or you yeah. wanted to engage further with with your audience but yeah i would probably just create like you said the campaigns that, that go from social to to apple or to google mm. and then you you just download the app um, yeah but i wouldn't put any barriers to in front of that because yeah, you'll just yeah. end up wasting money people get bored quickly especially on on mobiles yeah because for us one of the primary objectives is is app downloads but we're also trying to look at like cost of acquisition so we're mm. looking at going to a next investment stage and so we, we, we want to kind of talk to our investors about that cost of acquisition for our users and so far because the founder's doing a great job he's done a lot of like uh, is it waterhole marketing where he kind of dips into forums and things and creates conversation engagement around whatever they're talking about and then if it's relevant he'll kind of say oh we're doing this mm. tool platform app that mm. hopefully will solve some of these questions people have had in this group and he's building a really good audience through that and so far it's it's keeping our cost of acquisition zero yeah so it's kind of a good thing going into an investment pitch to say yeah. cost of acquisition is zero but then there's nothing to go off for yeah. the next round it won't be like that forever though. exactly yeah. so i think for us it's a kind of do we experiment a little bit of the landing page and trying to understand what that cost would be if we were to do google adverts but again if we do google adverts it'll just direct to the app store wouldn't it so yeah yeah okay, i've kind of answered it in my own head <laughs> but i just thought it was it was an interesting way around the cost of building a landing page because mm. i think when people talk about cost of acquisition particularly with the companies that you're probably working with so later stage mm. companies it's probably a slightly different world with startups because mm. a lot of times they don't take into consideration the cost of actually building the website mm -hmm. particularly if it's just to drive traffic mm. so it was one of those kind of we were a bit questioning each other and being each other's critical friends yeah and sort of saying well if we build a website that's gonna shoot our cost of acquisition up because it'll be yeah i don't even know you know you could put any price tag on a website depending on how good it is yeah but i suppose okay so landing pages yeah. if you if you're in e-commerce and especially e-commerce selling yeah. products landing pages are are crucial getting your your campaigns right your keywords mm. right and and everything else landing pages are, are hugely important and you want to you want to be sending the right traffic to to that page um mm. and that that has obviously a number of benefits from conversions through to bounce rate through to wasted budget or well-spent budget it, it mm. landing pages are super important but um it, you can delve even further, really, and look at the the sort of the content that you're you're creating on these landing pages. If it's a particularly niche product mm -hmm. that, that's got quite a long name, for example, like yeah. uh, I try and think of a company that I used to run. We used to have rank for it was a really random name, like Cerise Duchess Satin. We always ranked like first organically for it, so that landing page went straight through to this particular product, and you you just didn't. You didn't need to run paid ads for that because you ranked organically first for it. Yeah. But if you were running paid ads for it, it would take you through straight to that page, and you're only then, literally one or two clicks away from it being purchased, mm. and that and it's that sort of. Uh, it's like the customer journey online. You want to kind of reduce mm. clicks, reduce yeah, obstacles yeah. to the conversion, don't you? Because I think otherwise people get bored. 
Yeah, I would yeah. if I had to click through a load of things to get to where I want to be. Yeah, that's it. Uh, what's it? The customer funnel almost isn't it online? So. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, mm. it's really interesting. And then I suppose one more question for me mm. is going back, kind of shooting back to a bit earlier about scheduling and things like that. I've had a little bit of experience using things like Hootsuite, mm. and I've I tried to use Buffer a bit, but I thought it was a bit limiting. Have you ever you got experience of using anything like that, or would you do you prefer using it directly with the platforms because I suppose you get a bit better live data don't you if you go direct to platforms but for anyone who might be managing multiple smaller campaigns or smaller social media pages across different platforms have you got any experience or insight into to yeah like I've, that? I've used Hootsuite before but it's um it's it's a bit of a shortcut really mm. I think you you're better I know it takes a bit longer but in the in the in the, in the scheme of the whole day you are better doing them yeah. One by one, really, yeah. I think is it's like you say you got you got you you're on their platform. You get clearer mm. data. You can you can change things around. Certainly, like with Instagram as well. You I don't correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think you can post from Hootsuite to Instagram. I don't think you can. I I don't think you can yet. I think mm. when I last used it, it was because obviously as a marketing manager, I had so many things to do during the day, like so many things, mm. yeah. like planning yeah. events and online campaigns separate from what I was posting organically on social. There's all these different things I was I was having to do. So it would be go into the office, check out the news, go on Hootsuite, share a few blogs, articles, have a try and have a bit of engagement, but I could never find it clicking. And yeah. I, even though I was scheduling posts throughout the day and posting so much through that scheduling process, I could never quite get the traction that I was after. And I, I think it was because I wasn't doing it on it's, each quite, it's quite dynamic as well sometimes because if, yeah. if something comes up that's that's relevant in the in your immediate environments or your market or even even politically in the in the wider sort of environment and you, and you post something or you share something it, it's quite dynamic it's it's mm. there it's happening and if you're not on it if you're if you're scheduling this to go out sort of three hours later you've, you've missed the boat it's old news mm. and you've it has its place. It does have its place if you're if you know you're going to be out and you can't post, but then you can schedule on Facebook anyway. So yeah, yeah. And I think once you've posted, I think it's like the follow up. Mm. And I think there were times where you know you might schedule, but then you're not there in the moment to follow up with people commenting. Yeah. And I think that's when you really generate good user and mm. great engagement yeah. when you're actually speaking to people almost like live yeah. and they can see you're there and you're speaking to them. I think for a business, that's so powerful that your voice is there in, in that time. I think, what was it? Say Twitter, I think was like seven seconds, wasn't it? You get seven yeah. seconds and that's it. And I think it's like, you might be able to capture them for a little bit more if they've commented on your tweet or whatever yeah. it is, but then you lose them very quickly again, unless you can get back to them and yeah. have that interaction. I quite I quite like the Facebook Live videos you can do. I think they're they're mm. quite good. And if you if you go inside that with when you know you've got say busy web traffic, for example, or, yeah. and and you can make the most of that and use use data to sort of your advantage and do those live videos, it's uh, it's it can be quite beneficial because mm. if you've got a big audience, if you've got many thousands of of people or followers or, or whatever it is. You you can engage with them. You can take questions during during your videos, yeah, yeah, and it, yeah. it's quite um, it can be quite a, a good way to sort of engage mm. with your customers, mm. answer questions, and, and it's it's like Instagram to do the same, mm. you know, live stories, and it's 
you know, they notify everyone when you start a live story. So I just think like, why wouldn't you use that as a company? Mm. Like that to your advantage of kind of mass notifying everyone that you started up a live Q&A or whatever it is. It just mm. seems to be a bit of a shortcut than you trying to manually reach out to people or emailing people and not having them at the same time. And I think live stories just combats all of and that. And it doubles up as content as well because you can download it again and then re-upload it elsewhere. So it's yeah. it's not... It's never really wasted unless it's bad content. It's not it's not wasted. It always you can use it again somewhere mm. else, embed it in blogs, whatever it is you choose to At do. 10x that content. That's that's <laughs> what I well, we'll be doing that with this content. Yeah, You'll yeah. see it. So but it, it does, it works, and it's it's value, it's adding value, isn't it? So Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I think that is that is us up for mm. our half an hour. It was quick when you enjoyed it. Was, it was quick, wasn't it? It was <laughs> yeah. good. It was fun. It's good, mate. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I've been Phil. This has been Mark. Yeah, do you want to do want to peace out and hashtag us out? Yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks for listening, Mark. Head marketing. Gather your audience. Boom. Um.